This podcast is rooted in a singular dream to aid our culture's growth by fostering collective education, encouraging open discussion, and most importantly, nurturing and inspiring new generations of my transgender siblings. Here's to a transer future. Cheers, queers, and welcome to the very first special edition episode of the Trans and Caffeinated podcast. Today, I have the unique honor of sharing with you the words and stories of six trans and gender nonconforming poets. Spoken word poetry is one of my absolute favorite art forms. It is uniquely powerful in that it conveys meaning and emotion, both through the words they use, as well as the intonation, inflection, punctuation, and feeling that the author provides in their reading. These poets have spent years developing their craft, and I encourage you to tip each of today's performers using the payment handles in the info section for this episode. Our first poet is Jesslyn Jacob Randall, whose pronouns are he, him. Jesslyn is a transmasculine, non-binary man with a background in finance. Though he currently works in fitness, he is excited to pursue working in voice work in the near future. Jesslyn has been out as trans since 2014. Though he hasn't undergone any trans-specific therapy or other professional support, he would like to eventually. Jesslyn's poem mentions misgendering, being disregarded by a close friend, and gender identity erasure. You can tip him on Venmo at Sapphire X Sparks, which is written out in the info section for this episode. This is Jesslyn Jacob Randall's poem, Trigger Warning. This poem is called Trigger Warning, and I wrote it in response to someone who was a close friend of mine who no longer is, who would consistently misgender me and say transphobic comments. How hard is it for you not to trigger me? Obviously, directly and publicly, when people who know nothing of my condition besides the very name, know how to treat me with respect, know how to avoid speaking harsh criticisms guised as ignorant remarks on emotional subjects they've never felt into before, and humbly requesting answers only to what I am willing to share from my experiences to build a bridge offering their ears rather than their voice and what actions they should take to honor me, my pain, my identity, these people have never once made me feel guilty, beaten, angry, misunderstood, or regretful for existing in the realm of said difficult-to-understand subject. And yet, they offer their humility, knowing that even if they intend no harm, their words hold meaning and can cut through my heart, 
like scissors through flesh, as you may have done in this moment. Whether or not you acknowledge the responsibility you are given when someone trusts you with the shadow of their self. That was Jocelyn Jacob Randall. You can tip him on Venmo at Sapphire X Barks. Payment info for each of today's performers is also written in the info section for this episode. Next up, we have Petal McNaughton, whose pronouns are they, them. Petal recently started identifying as non-binary within the past year or two. They recently wrote a spotlight piece for transencaffeinated.com called Blooming Where I'm Planted on loving God and being non-binary. They moved to Chicago last year and are really making it their home. The two ways they like to be creative are writing and coffee. Petal has been writing poetry since high school and is finally feeling more comfortable with sharing it with the masses. Lately, they have been using poetry as an outlet for dealing with their feelings and their depression. You can find them on Instagram as at coffeepot.lilies. Petal's poem, Late Night Shopping, mentions sex and utilizes tasteful cursing. You can tip them on Venmo and Cash App as Lillian MCN, which is written out in the info for this episode. Petal is sharing three poems with us today. In order, these are Theodore, Late Night Shopping, and Ode to My Grandmother. This is Petal McNaughton. Theodore. Sometimes there's a 500-pound man riding an elephant who sits on my chest that not even a crane made out of ice cream and my sister's smiles could lift. But maybe I let them live there on purpose. Maybe I buy them a tent and potted plants. Maybe I let them leave their dirty dishes around and don't make them pick up. I let the wine bottles clutter the floor. I give them a welcome mat to place in my belly, tell them to let anything in they feel like, because they let me feel desolate. And maybe I want that. With the new tenants in my ribcage, they dine on lobster and drawn butter, where I eat five cookies for dinner. My constant stream of tears water their flower boxes under my eyes. I know when sleep doesn't come, it's because of the cocktail party they're throwing in my brain. I've let them ravage my body, let them do whatever they please. To them, my heart is the greatest amusement park to ever appear. The roller coasters of my veins even top the thrill of riding the dragster. But I let them. I let them, I let them, I let them. I let the overweight man and the elephant named Theodore rule my body, my life, my feelings. Just so I didn't have to feel so damn much. Late night shopping. Your hands grip the meaty flesh of my thighs. Whispers of being called your own personal Aphrodite reach my ears. You bury your face in the nape of my neck, inhaling my skin. You take what you want and need, but that's cool. As if I'm a late night party store, only here for the desperate and needy. With the murmuring of empty praise, using your serpent's tongue to get only what you demand. But that's cool. However, your touch turns my core cold now. Your false words fall upon deaf ears. I wish you'd just detach your body from mine. There's no need for us to touch. 
because there are no feelings for you in the bottom of my belly or at the top of my heart because you're just desperate and needy for a party store girl and I'm not one. An ode to my grandmother. I've never bought a bikini before. Everyone says big girls aren't supposed to wear itty-bitty, teeny-weeny, yellow polka dot bikinis. But I did. And I felt glorious and beautiful and it hugged me in all the right places like no man has ever been able to touch me. But everyone mocked me. Everyone said that you're not supposed to wear that. That's not for your body type. That it's not for you. That it is special. It is sacred. But why isn't my body sacred? Because my skin's a little longer than yours? Or my hips a little bit wider? Damn it, I can't win. Everyone says, be body positive. Love yourself as you are. Big girls do big things. But when I, neither a boy or a girl, want to overcome big things, when I want to wear something like a bikini, it's not right. You're not the right shape. You're not built for that. Honey, you just look so much better if you lose 20 more pounds. But I'm not losing another 20 fucking pounds this time. I'm not doing it. I'm not starving myself just so you can love my body more than I love mine. Because I love the body I've been given. I love every inch of it, every curve that's been carved, and everything my body has done for me. My body has loved me when I didn't love it. So yeah, I want to dress my body in bikinis and short skirts and beautiful sundresses and crop tops and bralettes and short shorts. Because my body is no different than yours. My body has nurtured me when my mind couldn't. So I'm going to treat my body with kindness for once in my life. My body is mine. And you don't have anything you can say about it. That was Petal McNaughton. You can tip them on Venmo and Cash App as L-I-L-L-I-A-N-M-C-N. Payment info for each of today's performers is also written in the info section for this episode. Next up, we have Miles Taylor, whose pronouns are they, them. Miles is a transmasculine poet, organizer, award-winning poetry slam competitor, barista, Emerson College alum, Capricorn Aquarius Cusp, and glitter enthusiast. They run Moonlighting, a queer open mic in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and host at the Boston Poetry Slam. Their work can be found in The Shallow Ends, Academy of American Poets, Underblong, Slam Find, and others. You can also follow them on Instagram at milesdoespoems, that is miles with a Y. Miles' poems mention transphobia and dysphoria. You can tip them on Venmo at M-Y-L-E-S-E-M-T-A-Y-L-O-R and on Cash App as dollar sign M-L-E Taylor. Both of these handles are written out in the info section for this episode. Miles is sharing three poems with us today. In order, these are an explanation I do not owe, Hi, Violet, and there's a woman. This is Miles Taylor. An explanation I do not owe. I wake up with the sun 
glittering onto me. My shower glitters so hard you can hear it. I pour coffee over giant chunks of glitter and taste the cool of it. I buy the sparkly toothpaste. So if I bleed, the sink still shines. A foamy prom dress mudslide and then the morning ritual of choosing between discomfort and discomfort. Passing and passing and not passing a mirror for a clean breath. See, I'm thinking about the whole futurity thing when my favorite professor she's me. And it's almost like it doesn't happen, but I still feel all class that maybe skipping dinner would make my jaw more angular or my body more throwable. But I survive it and do this revolutionary thing where I keep talking talking with this voice, this always glittering voice. You see, I am told that glitter is a feminine thing. And if it is to you, that's super valid. But honestly, I feel like I am already so clockable that the closest way I can get to a gender that no one has a word for is to look as DIY as my name. The child's craft project I've always been. See, I cover myself in glitter because I am effectively already covered in glitter. I wear men's everything, and I might as well be in a ball gown. My eyes are two giant chunks of reflective confetti. I speak, and glitter pours out of my mouth. I bind my chest and feel grating specks of plastic. I walk into a bathroom, and I must be covered because no one can look away, but I must be so bright they can't actually see me. See, I get buried in the numbers of it. It's that small collection of moments that gets us in the end. I am so tired of looking like an emergency siren, of any of this mattering. There is no surgery for a sometimes, and if there was, I would need centuries of sleep to take back all the deep breaths I've lost. My body uses up energy buzzing with self-awareness. My body congratulated itself every day it went without a cigarette before I even started smoking. It's like an inheritance. Every trans person I know knows a trans person who has died. And here I stand, in a room with no ghosts, just waiting for a knock at the door. Thank you, everyone, and thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Miles. That poem's really fun to do now because it's about sort of not passing with my voice, and then I went on tea, so it kind of doesn't make sense anymore, but I still enjoy doing it. Um, I have one more for you. Mm, two more. We've got ten minutes. Um... This one is um, written after <laughs> The National, the band, um, Sad Boys, What's Up? Um, I just called it High Violet after the album. Gender and desirability are not the same, but they attend the same terrible house parties. Perhaps play kings and pretend they are having fun being personified the way I do all the time when others are talking about body language and signals. I don't know what it is to be desirable because I don't know anything other than desire. I just want. My gender is a negative space around want I can't even make out the shape of sometimes. A smoked line, a Microsoft paint level gradient. I'm trained in figure drawing, you know. A pencil is a shitty reference point unless it's the only thing you're holding. Sometimes my cat screams at nothing for hours. 
We do everything he asks of us, and nothing will satisfy his cursed wail. Sometimes I wish I could express my existential longing in a similar fashion, but I think I would be hospitalized. I fantasize about loss of control and, like, maybe trying bondage one day, and then I put on a weighted blanket once and freak the fuck out. I like the idea of anything at all, but everything in practice is terrible, except any night I have company that can talk as fast as me or the moment I am eating a very good meal. I want so much more than other bodies, but one feels more doable than the others. In theory. In practice, I'm trying to write under a weighted blanket, and my cat is being exceedingly loud. To relinquish control and to decide my body and mind are not worthy of their time. This is the only self-love I've figured out how to employ other than a face mask. Every time I get hungry, I feel like the world is going to end. I'm in control of everything I do. I just make a point of being stupid sometimes to allow myself a wider range of options. I only want to die when I'm holding in a feeling or putting thoughts in other people's minds. I never promised to be reasonable. Get this fucking thing off of me. Let me ground myself in peace. Alright, last one, ending on a happy note. This poem is in the 50th issue of Up the Staircase Quarterly, um, and I'm quite proud of it, so check out that issue if you get the chance. Um, and thank you again, everyone, for having me. I do have chapbooks and other merch. If you follow me at um, Miles Does Poems on Twitter or Instagram, you can contact me. Um, thanks again, everyone. There's a woman looping longhand on this train, and I think she must be a poet. And I glance outside at the students, saddle-seated on the stone tops, and I think they must be poets, everyone, just by the look on their fresh faces at the well-placed street trees. And I look at the Boston trees and their poets, just here to dress the world up, right, they tell us, but actually creating our oxygen, too on the nose. The gray-haired lady on the stationary bike absolutely going at it is a poet. No contest. I am definitely a poet at this gym because I have no idea what I am doing right now. And hark, another goddamn poet. The trainer, speaking softly at the woman in the corner, every tenderness is a poet as every tender moment I think could be a poem. And I'm leaving walking home and the whole train line is a poet and my one bum knee and my one peeling knuckle and this one fat robin in fucking February is a poet, guaranteed. And I think my favorite poet is when my cat curls his two little paws inward like a little bow tie. And my testosterone syringe is a poet and the espresso machine at my dumb job is a poet a poet is anything i could ask do you ever feel a hole in your chest and every time you're thinking about it it rips open a little more you ever try to fill it with dopamine and nutrients and you are so close to stuffing it with all the decisions you've said you've never make but the poets all the poets somehow they're still going feeling the parameters of that hole. And do you ever realize it opened before you thought about it? You just correlate causation, and it could be opening further any day you are not looking at it. Schrodinger's hole at any size at all if you go on about your day. But oh, my poets, my poets. Pulling it close with two hands, I love you. This ugly world and this uglier city. This beautiful city and my ugly brain. You make it stop sometimes. I'm trying not to look, but I think you do. Thank you. That was Miles Taylor. You can tip them on Venmo at M-Y-L-E-S-E-M-T-A-Y-L-O-R and on Cash App as dollar sign M-L-E Taylor. Payment info for each of today's performers is also written in the info section for this episode. Next up, we have Ness Dowdy, whose pronouns are they, them. Ness is a non-binary, queer, environmental activist and poet. 
They currently live in Seattle, Washington, and thoroughly enjoy their day job as a teacher for an outdoor preschool. They are passionate about conservation, environmental justice, queer rights, disability rights, and intersectional feminism. And they are a proud anarchist. Originally from the deeply rebellious Appalachian Mountains, Ness writes from a place of deep, shared, collective and generational trauma that seeks to be heard and healed. The collection shared in this episode touches on topics of fem rights, trans rights, and life as a chronically ill person in today's society. Ness is ever grateful for this opportunity to share their work and would like to sincerely thank you for taking the time to listen. Ness's poems use strong language and mention chronic pain, sexual assault, and sexism. You can tip them on Cash App at dollar sign Ness Pie, on Venmo at Ness Dowdy One, and at PayPal.me slash Ness Skates. Each of these handles is written out in the info section for this episode. Ness is sharing six poems with us today. In order, these are Now I Know Who I Am, I Can Feel the Mountains Crying, Sometimes I Can't Tell the Difference, 5.30 a.m., The War on Femmes, and We Need to Scream. This is Ness Doughty. Now I know who I am. I only shaved my legs when I was foolish enough to believe that men cared about me. I can feel the mountains crying. Blast goes the mountain and hooray goes the lobbyists. Well, I can see the birds fleeing, the water retreating, and I can feel the mountains crying. Profit for their government, destruction of our home, exploitation of its people, and I can feel the mountains crying. I can see the natives fighting for more than just their lives. I can see the oil companies grinning, and I can feel the mountains crying. The law of the peddlers is to pillage the land and ravage its resources. The plan is to destroy education, to revoke opportunity, all while I can feel the mountains crying, screaming, sobbing, Begging for life, I can feel the mountains crying. We ignore the consequences, life-altering mistakes. I can feel the mountains crying, whispering their stories, pleading for consideration. I can feel the mountains crying. I can see the trees fighting, the poisoning of our bodies. I can see the air trying, evicted animals searching for safety. I can feel the mountains crying, ecosystems, flowers, dirt, life disappearing, blast. My home is resilient. Even when made flat by repulsive gusts of greed, these mountains will still be fighting. I can feel the mountains crying. Sometimes I can't tell the difference. Rider's block sneakily comes up behind me, grabs my waist and fucks me, takes me to places I've never been, tricks me to trust and moves into my home, meets my family and makes itself known. Rider's block 
creeps into my blood and infects me, feasts on my brain and allows me to let go of everything I ever wanted, makes me question myself, my role, my school, writer's block, sneakily comes up behind me, pulls my hair and drags me down. 5.30 a.m. Agony. Searing through my skin and across my bones. Wind. Rattling the windows harshly in their panes. Me lying awake while everyone else lie asleep. My body screaming. Birds waking. Mind begging. Agony. Deep breaths interrupted. Me coaxing. Mind over matter. Mind over matter. You can do this. Breath hitches. Maybe I can't, but choice isn't a luxury with the time eating, life robbing, don't know who I am anymore disease. Lovers beg. Not used to the powerlessness. Not used to running to get me a trash can, water, ibuprofen in the middle of the night. I am glad they often fall back asleep. Their bodies functioning normally. I'm grateful for that. They are not used to their lovers hiding under the blanket, armed with a heating pad, some crackers, and a cat. Lovers are not used to days being stolen, plans being changed, lovers feeling pain because of my pain agony. What they call treatment makes it worse. I study my pill closely before throwing it back. Sometimes I try to turn them into magic, but it never works. Tears stream down my face without my permission. My body is unruly. I don't have the privilege of having it belong to me. My body belongs to pain, to the disease, to organs I don't want, to doctors telling me it's in my head, to my ruptured cysts and my bleeding skin, agony. False contractions rip my insides apart, reminding me always of what I don't want, of who I am not, of how few my choices are, organs now stuck together inside of my body, as if they are joined in solidarity, but really it's just because the doctors didn't catch the disease in time. Agony. Prepare for the day slowly. Carry with me anything I could need. Take breaks. Talk to my bosses, professors, friends. Give the memorized disclaimer. Beg for some compassion and maybe an accommodation. Sitting when I feel lightheaded. Running when my body wants to expel what's eating it alive. I don't blame it. I want it out of me too. Eat one strawberry. See if it's okay. Now, see if I can take a bite of a meal. Too far. Agony. Days don't belong to me. My body doesn't belong to me. My passions don't belong to me. Visits to the doctor don't belong to me. Choice doesn't belong to me. Life doesn't belong to me. Agony is my new lover, partner, best friend. Agony belongs to me, with me all the time, reminding me. That it chose me. Agony. The war on femmes exists. In my sister and I bonding over our rape. It exists in the air at night when I walk alone. Brass knuckles bought online ready. 
The war on FEMS exists. Between the lines of our laws when over 84 million government dollars were spent on erectile dysfunction drugs when I still can't afford my birth control. It exists when Planned Parenthood is the only doctor I can go to for accurate education on my health. The war on FEMS exists in my father telling me to marry rich and in his silence in my success. It exists in our history when women had to fight and die for our vote instead of simply being born a white man. The war on women exists in our White House where sexual predators reign. It exists when we keep shouting injustice and our world is still deaf. The war on femmes exists when her less qualified male competitor gets the job. The war on femmes exists. It exists in our voices when we cry out for fair treatment. It exists in our collective bodies as we protest together. The war on femmes exists. At night when I cry for my sisters, cry in hopes that maybe they will have opportunity, that one day they will be seen as not just what their bodies can offer, but for how brilliant their ideas are. The war on women exists when I have to tell my brother that it's okay to wear nail polish because being equated to a femme is the worst kind of insult there is. The war on femmes exists. Listen to us. Hear our voices. The war on femmes exists and is strong, so resist. We need to scream. We are taught to shout fire when someone takes our bodies as theirs. We are shown that our stories will not matter. We are taught that drinking means we were asking for it and that we should have been wearing less sexual pajamas. We are taught to shout fire We are told to stay quiet as to not damage their reputation. We are questioned by police as if we are the criminals. We are taught to shout fire when someone tries to rob you from yourself because we are taught that our stories do not matter. Well, I want to scream rape when predators only get six months in prison and get to resume their lives as normal while the victim lives with the mark forever. I want to scream rape when I see them crying on the stand when crying didn't concern them before. I want to scream rape when I finally get the courage to turn you in, when you finally get to see what you've done. I want to scream rape for all the people whose lives were set fire and for those who keep burning. I want to scream rape for the people who are not believed and for the ones overlooked. I want to scream rape at all the spectators of Dr. Ford's testimony, questioning why she couldn't remember. I want to scream rape at our government, our patriarchy, and their accomplices. I want to scream rape every time I have a flashback of the time during my own personal war when my body was being attacked. I want to scream rape at everyone who doesn't believe, at those who blame victims, at our school system, at those who tell us to shout fire. I want to scream rape. That was Ness Dowdy. You can tip them on Cash App at dollar sign Ness Pie, on Venmo at Ness-Dowdy-1, 
and at paypal.me slash nessskates. Payment info for each of today's performers is also written in the info section for this episode. Next up, we have Joey Matt DePerry, whose pronouns are she, her. Here we have a girl who lives entirely within auditory mediums to express herself. On the few free days when depression doesn't hold her down, she is writing, recording, and producing songs to express the nonconformist desires she holds so deeply. She likes to think of herself as a ragged, outspoken punk princess. But we'll leave that for you to decide. She's the editor of the very show you're listening to, among other podcasts as well, and one half of the musical duo Fempathy. She's hoping to one day fully be able to live her truth in every aspect of her life. Joey's poem mentions transphobia, particularly regarding vocal and facial dysphoria, clocking, closeting oneself, as well as conformity, both in the gender sense and in the general sense. You can tip her at paypal.me slash J-O-J-O-M-A-H or on Cash App as dollar sign J-0-W-0-E-Y. Both of these handles are written out in the info section for this episode. Here is Joey Matt DePerry's My Voice is a Weapon. My voice is a weapon. My clothes, my armor. These glasses to distract from the unshavable bristles, the eternal timepiece to be zapped off the surface of Mars, so that Venus may have her chance to be seen. Life's great ironies lie in incongruence, how the naive seed can be seen as a maiden when she speaks. Yet, when she blossoms into the flower child she always was, the hedge clippers come out before she can. Had she known before, she would have wholeheartedly embraced the perceived slights, for it would now be seen as a crumb of validation falling off the upper crust. I stand up proud, yet I fear being seen. I walk alone with a swagger that I copped from my idols, many of whom I've discarded for the sake of my health. Finding myself no longer able to bear the contrarian pontification of an academic who doesn't wish to learn anymore, the hypocritical rosy speeches about protecting others while refusing to be accountable for one's own transgressions. I want to break free from my influences, to show myself as a girl who refuses to be hammered down. My voice is a weapon, one that I use to sing songs of nonconformity, of not adhering to the rigidity of a binary existence. I sing out, screaming that I don't want to fear the repercussions of quote-unquote normal people. And yet, I want to stop fearing, to stop running away, to anchor myself in unit number one and nut up like a woman should. But every day is a constant reminder of what instills this fear. The unease of unsteady footing when I walk to bed at night. The complicated complacency in a nigh-dormant parent-child relationship. The very nature of my identity 
being seen as an abomination of nature. However, I'd rather be an abomination than a bully. I'd rather have awkward family gatherings than live a lie. I'd rather find more stable ground in the loving embrace of a community, rather than in the tightening fist of a landlord. I put on my red-checkered miniskirt and thigh-highs. I grab my rockaway bitch t-shirt. I always, always make sure I keep a rose in my hair, my eyes shielded to both enhance and intimidate. One day soon, I'll strap on my guitar, walk down into a dusty, crowded basement, and with one mighty E chord, the crowd will see me as the girl the dead milkman warned them about, the punk rock girl of their dreams. And in their dreams, maybe I can accept the acceptance I want to see in the world. That was Joey Matt DePerry. You can tip her at paypal.me slash J-O-J-O-M-A-H and on Cash App as dollar sign J-0-W-0-E-Y. Payment info for each of today's performers is also written in the info section for this episode. Last, but certainly not least, we have Yaz, who uses both she, her, and they, them pronouns. Yasmin Yaz is an Afro-Egyptian, Black trans woman, spoken word poet, activist, and tiny house lover based in Chicago. She has a bachelor's in women's and gender studies and is in her last semester of getting her master's in urban planning and policy from the University of Illinois at Chicago. She writes poems about being a Black trans woman as she navigates public and private spaces, relationships, sexuality, migration, and institutions. She hopes to one day become a writer and performer, as well as apply theories of queer and reproductive justice into tiny house communities. You can tip her on Venmo at PJTADROSS091796. Payment info for each of today's performers is also written in the info section for this episode. Yaz is sharing three poems with us today. In order, these are Dry Spell, To the T-Boy on the L, and Femhood. This is Yasmin Yaz. First piece is called Dry Spell. The girl that was denied, denied her ability to exist. The one that felt like she was either 8 years ahead or 15 years behind her social development. She was always the object but never the subject. Her blood, sweat, and tears were always overlooked and never praised. She was either a bullet train going a thousand miles an hour with no brakes, barely a grasp of her pulse, and never could plant her feet on solid ground. Or stagnant like a statue, sitting, waiting for someone to observe her. The girl is enraged. She has enough anger to become a hurricane, to wreak havoc on everything and everyone that denied her being, to make this land a permanent wasteland. Every body of water, soil, and forest would be dried up and deteriorated. She figured in casting a permanent dry spell over this land, every person who denied her mind, body, spirit, 
labor, and emotion shall never escape. Where she can finally claim herself. Where she can finally go to bed without crying to sleep. She can access love and desire without someone's repercussions bestowed upon her. She can finally be the subject, not the object. The girl that was denied. She thought by denying the world everything that she would be everything. However, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. So she sits, closes her eyes, and attempts to breathe. The second piece is called to the trans boy on the L. It was a Thursday and it was a particularly hard to wake up that morning. My stomach was tightening up, arms were shaking, and the only thing that felt safe was the baby blue pillow that was laying beside me. The day before, a group of black and brown men, as I was walking home, yelled, What is that? How can a man dress like a woman? Your presence traumatizes kids. What made the situation worse that they had a similar complexion to me. Often women like me are rejected from every type of community, which leaves us without a home. Regardless, I pulled myself together. I wore a striped dress, blue eyeshadow, red lip, and a cat eye. I figured that the best form of revenge is for me to live my life. If no one will give me joy, I will find whatever scraps to construct my own. I was reading my book on my way to school when I encountered someone. They were dressed in a white no-doubt t-shirt, leather jacket, red Doc Martens, black jeans, and black Ray-Ban sunglasses. I may have looked at him as white noise and moved on with my life. They looked at me and started typing. My initial thought it would be a slur, so I armed my book ready for battle. As they turned the phone, I was ready to swing my book as it would deflect their passive slur. I read the message and it says, trans boy on the L. At that moment, I was thrown back. For the first time in a while, I felt something that hasn't been, hasn't happened in a while. Seen. Like, they saw me for both my makeup, my outfit, and the scars that were behind them. I sent them a message back that said, I like your aesthetic, even though I didn't really care for it. I wanted to know they were seen too. I left for my stop and haven't seen them since. To the trans boy on the L, those ten and a half seconds meant everything to me. My final piece is called Femhood. When I think of femhood, I think of girls like me who may not have the money to stealth or the resources to drag it up, but we are limitless. We are the ones that create divine futures for each other out of the scraps and rubble left for us. The ones that create riots that are bigger than space and time. A movement to uphold that liberating black trans women is liberation for all of us. Girls like us understand that femhood is lineage and kinship, not a body part. We recognize the majority of the world disposes us, but we are anointed. 
We are our ancestors' wildest dreams. I don't want to live in a world where black trans lives don't just matter. I want the world to understand that our labor and preservation are like shrines and to give back to the altar 100-fold. That was Yasmin Yaz. You can tip her on Venmo at PJTADROSS091796. Please remember to tip your performers. Payment info for each of today's performers is also written in the info section for this episode. That's all for today, folks. Don't forget to subscribe to and review this podcast so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes. If you feel inclined to support this work financially, you can head to patreon.com slash trans and caffeinated. You can follow my personal accounts on Twitter and Instagram at Ariel R. Gordon, and you can follow at trans and caffeinated on Instagram and Facebook. You can follow the show's editor and composer, Joey, on Twitter at Nora Curosa. You can find her band, Fempathy, on both Facebook and Twitter at Fempathy Band and on Bandcamp at fempathy.bandcamp.com. You can follow the show's closing music composer, Elena Drajanski, on Instagram at thegayagenda95. You can follow her music on Instagram at Elena Ford Project and on Bandcamp at elenaford.bandcamp.com. You can also find her work featured in the Transformations Marketplace on transencaffeinated.com. I'll see you in two weeks on the next episode of Trans and Caffeinated. <laughs>